Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jimmy. And we're the Talk to the Hand podcast. Hello, Beth. Hi, Jimmy. This is an episode you've been waiting for. Oh, it is. So excited. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell? In between my snuffly nose and croaky voice. I kind of can tell, but also just before we started recording, you told me I had a very punchable face. Yeah, you do today. You're just annoying me. Why am I annoying you? I don't know. I just don't know. Okay, so after dinner today, I had some donuts left over, and I had one donut, and Beth had put on some banana bread, and I had a little slice of banana bread, a tiny little sliver of banana bread, and apparently that was greedy. (laughs) There's a backstory, though, isn't there? Not really. You just got up after we had our lunch, got up and just had these donuts, didn't offer them to anyone else. I did. I gave the kids donuts. Yeah, but you just just got the packet and had a donut. I'd made banana bread. What did you want me to do with it? Like, put gravy on it or something? Just annoyed me. (laughs) Anyway, back to the podcast. Indeed. Quite a long story to go through today, and it's the story of... Boyzone! You were massive into Boyzone. Massive, massive. More than take that. Massive. You actually thought you were going to marry Roman Peter. Of course, yeah. For our listeners that are a certain age, remember the little jotters that you had at school? You'd write, oh... I'm going to marry, I love Ronan, I heart Ronan. Yeah. Kids yeah. don't do that anymore, do they? Well, the cool kids never did it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I was. Posters all over my room. And I remember having a massive, life-size poster of Ronan that I stuck on my ceiling. So that, that he was like looking back. No, not Ronan. And I saw them live as well a couple of times. You did? Twice in the same week. <laughs> You did. And so you were always a, a big Boyzone fan. And recently you've been asking if you can have Boyzone pictures up on our bedroom, haven't you, Beth? No, not that So, thank you everyone who's joined us today. We really hope you enjoy the episode. But for now, rewind to the 90s. The Boyzone story started with Louis Walsh, or formerly Michael Louis Vincent Walsh, the son of Maureen and Frank Walsh. He was born in Kiltimar on the 5th of August 1952. He had one older sibling and then over the years followed by six younger siblings. Having moved to Dublin to start his music career in the 1990s and having worked with some successful Irish club acts and two artists who won the Eurovision Song Contest for Ireland, Walsh's ambition was growing. He looked over the Irish sea saw the explosion of Take That and it triggered an idea to create an Irish equivalent. Louis had been approached by a young man named Mark Walton, whose dream was to be an international pop star. Mark Walton and Shane Lynch were two good friends and they went together, danced in front of Louis, who decided that they were likely to be the first two members of the boy band he was going to create. That's a bit weird, isn't it? They turn up and two, two, two kids dancing in front of some man they don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Especially that's... Shane Lynch, big heart, you know. Yeah. Ducky looking man. Born to Brendan and Nolene Lynch, Shane was raised in Donamede, North East Dublin. Dyslexia made his school days challenging, but he did show some promise in sporting endeavours. He actually won the Portuguese BMX Championship at the age of 14, but around the same time he was expelled from school. He started working as a mechanic with his father. With Shane and Mark Walton prominent on it in his mind, Louis Walsh pursued his desire to have an Irish take that. He published in a local newspaper an advertisement about the pop band and they appeared on some radio admissions. Some newspapers picked up on the ad and the idea of an Irish take that was really pushed by those covering the story. Several weeks later, in November 1993, the auditions took place in the Ormond Centre in Dublin. 
and every candidate had to sing George Michael's Careless Whisper. Mark Walton and Shane Lynch didn't have to attend their first audition, as for Lou, they were almost already in the band. Louis was impressed by auditions of Roland Keaton, Stephen Gayton and Richie Rock, who was the son of esteemed Irish singer Dickie Rock. You know him from your dad, don't you? I do, yes. He's very, very famous in Ireland, Dickie Rock. They were asked to come back for another audition along with 50 others from the 300 that attended the first audition. Roman Patrick John Keating was born on 3rd of March 1977. The youngest of five children, he grew up in Bayside, Dublin, in County Meath, attending St Fintan's High School. His father, Jerry Keating, was a lorry driver. His mother, Marie, was a mobile hairdresser. Another one of the contenders with sporting promise, he competed in track and field, winning the All-Ireland Under-13 200-metre title. He was 16 years old when he attended that audition. Stephen Patrick David Gately was born on the 17th of March 1976. He grew up in the Sheriff Street area of Dublin and was the fourth of five children born to Decorator Martin and Cleaner Margaret. Gately attended primary school at St Lawrence O'Toole's and at secondary school at North Strand Technical College. During his teens, he participated in various school musicals and theatre performances before seeing the ad for the group Walsh was forming. Shane Lynch had a friend called Keith Duffy. Keith asked Shane to talk to Louis about him getting involved as he was reluctant to attend auditions, but Shane forgot to ask him. You think that showed you think Shane forgot? Or maybe didn't want Keith in the band? I don't know, <laughs> Shane always seemed a bit happy-go-lucky. I don't yeah, think he's not super organised. He would have had yeah. a, a little post-it note. Oh yes, I must ask him. <laughs> And he wouldn't have had phones there to like text each other to remind him. However, Louis noticed Keith one evening in a nightclub and liked the way he danced, so asked if he wanted to be in a pop group, and that's how Keith joined for the second audition. The second audition came, and Keith sang Right Said Fred's I'm Too Sexy. <laughs> that's a strange choice. Yeah. Ronan sang Father and Son, a song which would go on to be a huge hit for the group. Richie Rock sang Elton John's Your Song whilst playing the piano, and that really caught Louis Walsh's eye. Stephen Gately sang Hello by Lionel Richie. You'd love to hear them now, actually, wouldn't you, in the audition tape? Maybe not. <laughs> 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 Any two boys over <laughs> Another man who attended the second audition was Mikey Graham. Michael Christopher Charles Graham was born on the 15th of August, 1972, the youngest of seven children. Mikey's mother, Sheila, was a housewife, and his father, William, was a carpenter. Mikey was raised on the north side of Dublin and attended Billy Barry Stage School in Dublin. He actually had some experience before he auditioned, having appeared in television adverts for Macrado Biscuit, the Irish Electricity Board and T-Mobile. In the audition, Mikey sang Meatloaf's Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. That is a Would you like to hear song. that song? Maybe not Mikey's song. Maybe the original. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey didn't get selected for the group. Louis chose Ronan Keaton, Stephen Gately, Keith Duffy, Shane Lynch, Mark Walton and Richie Rock. There was another man who went for the audition who later became very famous, though not for his singing. Colin Farrell was a line dancer and had been spotted dancing by Louis Walsh. Farrell recalled, I was on the dance floor showing a bit of leg back in the day. I was giving it socks on the dance floor and I went to the bar next door afterwards and I was told this fellow wants to talk to you and it was Louis Walsh. He said, I'm getting this band together and it's going to be great and you'd be wonderful. So Walsh told him to come down to the open auditions for the band, but he informed Farrell that they weren't really open and were more of a formality so that the press could get some photos. So Farrell continued, I went up and I got my picture taken with a couple of the boys, with Shane Lynch and Mark Walton, who was one of the original members. I got my picture with the two of them boys, wearing a bandana full of the joys of life, 
Talking shit didn't stink and I sang careless whisper. Terrible tune coming out of this mouth. Murdered it. It was so bad that they asked me, could you do that a second? Could you do that again? And I sang it a second time and I didn't feel great about myself afterwards. And I went home and the phone rang and my mother said Louis Walsh was on the phone for me. It was at the bottom of the stairs, so I took the phone and he went, look, uh, Colin, listen, today, uh, you know, it's not really, uh, it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, you, you didn't See, know that. I didn't know that, no, no. So not such a big Boyzone fan then? Yeah, but he didn't get into Boyzone. So. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Two days after the final audition, Louis had arranged for them to appear on the Late Late Show. This is classic. This is classic. This is a huge chat show in Ireland. Everybody knows about it. The group were woefully unprepared for it. They didn't really know each other. They had no material, but Lou was keen to get them exposure. You really have to YouTube this if you haven't seen it already. As Light My Fire was played in the background and the group mimed and did some cringy freestyle dancing without any structure, choreography or anything at all that would have given a clue about the success that they would go on to achieve. It was awful. <laughs> I actually felt sorry for them when I saw it. <laughs> I, I know the listeners can't hear what I'm doing. They were all they doing that. They were doing this weird thing with their arms and carrying on like this. But the thing is, is they were just a, a group of lads. Was there six at this time? Yeah, yeah. And, and there were just six of them up on stage with a backing track playing and then just doing this weird dancing. But there was, no, there was no synergy between any of the routines they were doing. It was crazy. Do you remember the presenter, Gay Byrne? He was bemused by it. So he kind of made some kind of comment as he bid them farewell and sort of wished them the best of luck and asked them to come back when they'd hit the big time. And at the time, I think he must have been holding in laughter as he said it. It was very tongue-in-cheek. But interestingly, they did end up doing just that. Yeah, they did. For the then little-known Louis Walsh, it had been a major coup getting his new boy band on the biggest TV show in Ireland. And he knew that they had won the hearts that night from the people that mattered hordes of young female fans. Contracts had been signed and some of the selected members had to leave school. There was a clause about them keeping fit or doing sports. And while they were allowed to have girlfriends, there was a stipulation that they had to hide them. In March 94, Louis asked his friend John Reynolds to co-manage the band with him. The members of the group all found some part-time work to give themselves a little pocket money. And as they put the work on to ensure that the debacle from the Late Late Show was not repeated. However, Richie Rock was quickly becoming impatient as he couldn't see the improvements in the group that he wanted to see. Meanwhile, Mark Walton was nervous about the future. He was reluctant to leave his education so decided to leave Boyzone. But Richie Rock had a big fallout with Louis and the tension between them was growing. It came to a head when they were due to perform at a club but Richie fell asleep and missed it. This was the final straw for Louis, and he threw Richie out of the band. He, and he fell asleep and missed. He fell asleep? <laughs> Maybe Louis had rambled on about his So Richie later said, One day I was one hour late for a meeting with Louis and the lads in a bar. When I arrived, Louis flew into a rage, saying I was unreliable and unprofessional. Then he told me I was sacked. The next day it dawned on me I'd been deprived of the biggest chance of my life. I rang Louis in desperation, but he never returned to my calls. So Louis Walsh confirmed he did fire Richie Rock from the band. He said, I sacked him because he was unprofessional. He was a bad apple, and one bad apple can spoil a barrel. He was too much of a risk, and that's why he went. The rest is history. When I found out who his dad was, I thought he would have been a lot more professional. He's from a very nice family, and I don't know why he behaved like he did. When Mark Walton left the group, it became 
became a five-piece, which Walsh was okay with. However, with another departure, Louis wanted a replacement. He thought back to the auditions and recalled an entrant that had just missed out first time round. He got in touch with Mikey Graham, and Boyzone became the five-piece made up of the men we remember. In 1994, a year after the group formed, they worked extremely hard as they played pubs and clubs while travelling in the back of a transit van. Later that year, they were signed by Polygram. The group released a cover of the Four Seasons hit, Working My Way Back to You, which had lead vocals from Stephen Gailey and Mikey Graham. The track hit the third spot in the Irish charts, and then they released another cover, Love Me For A Reason, and that is when Beth first fell in love. Ah, uh, that is true. So Boyzone began touring the UK and voted Best Act in the Smash Hits show on the road. Love Me For A Reason reached number two in the UK and was part of the Said and Done album that topped the charts in both the UK and Ireland and went triple platinum. The album also featured the singles Key To My Life, So Good and Father and Son, which was, of course, the song Ronan had sung in his audition. He loved So Good, didn't he? Have a yes. Oh, today. my gosh. And at one of my... I had friends round for one of my birthdays. So I must have had some sort of video and inside... They had the dance routine to So Good. So oh, obviously, you didn't. yeah, me and my friends, we were all boys' own fans. And yeah, we practiced this So Good dance in the garden. Were you in your 30s then? It wasn't, was it? <laughs> it wasn't just the back garden. It wasn't in the back garden, no. That would be too private. Oh, didn't do it out the front <laughs> of the house where poor, innocent, unsuspecting members of the public could have been passing. You know, your neighbours we were probably yes. having a great laugh. And my mum still lives there, bless her. Yeah. the rest of all the neighbours moved out. <laughs> that was incredible. It's so funny, the things you remember. And the associations that you have with the songs as well. 1996, the boys achieved their first number one in the UK with the single Words, and their second album, A Different Beat, also achieved number one in triple platinum status. They won an impressive six awards at the Smash Hits Poll Winners Party, which includes Best Single, Best Album, and best band in the universe. <laughs> See, laughing about it now, that is crazy, isn't it? The album, A Different Beat, was a huge commercial success and sold 2 million copies worldwide, along with words. It was also featured singles, Coming Home Now, A Different Beat, and Isn't It a Wonder. Do you remember the Coming Home? That had a funny bit with the little arms cast, Coming Home Now. Yeah, it's I so do remember now. that, I think. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. I definitely Isn't remember words. Like you said earlier on, you attach certain things to certain songs. And I remember it was around the time my mum and dad split up. And I remember that just constantly being on the radio. radio. And it was quite a... Yeah. If you think of the words, it was quite striking at the time. And I remember it being like every time we hear it come on, we quickly turn it off, you know. Yeah. Oh, did we have the box then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on the box. That's right. Because I used to watch the box. box, I just used to leave the box on pretty much permanently. And then you'd hear that come on and you'd quickly go in and run and turn it off. The group lost out on Best International Group category at the Brit Awards with the Fugees walking away with that one. Ronan also co-hosted the Eurovision Song Contest in Ireland in which the group also performed. I think that was the year we won, Catching in the Waves as well. Oh yes, I remember that. Love Shine a Light. In every corner, corner of the world. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Is that it now? Are you sure? In an attempt to reach into the US market, they released a version of Mystical Experience, which they recorded in both English and Spanish. 
By now, Vernon was sort of becoming the face of the group and had won the Ivan Novello Award for songwriting in 97 for Picture of You. So the group were also enjoying a huge profile. They featured in the video for U2's track The Sweetest Thing as well as performing with the Bee Gees. Where We Belong became their third album in 98, selling over 3 million copies worldwide. The album contained the hits All That I Need, a cover of Tracy Chapman's classic Baby Can I Hold You, and possibly their signature single No Matter What. It had originally been penned for an Andrew Lloyd Webber stage musical and with over 4 million sales became the biggest selling boy band song of the 90s. They went on to sing it in Italy with Luciano Pavarotti and the song topped the UK chart for three weeks. Yeah, I think that was probably their peak. Is that fair to say? It would have been their peak. Boys Don't went straight back to number one in the charts in 1999 when they released When the Going Gets Tough, which was a comic relief single. They also reached number one in the album charts with their highest selling album, By Request, which was a greatest hits compilation. And whenever there is a greatest hits album, it always starts to stir rumours of an impending split. And that was definitely the case here. But Shane Lynch responded to rumours on live TV saying it was a load of effing shh at the MTV Awards. <laughs> Later that night, Shane got into an argument with Puff Daddy. Shane was married to Esther from the group Eternal and they were at a party after the MTV Awards in Dublin. So Boyzone had won two awards and Shane and his party were enjoying a drink in the VIP room. He went to the toilet and when he came back he was told that Puff Daddy's crew were clearing everyone else from the VIP room. Esther was in the middle of it and he lost it. Puff Daddy was standing on the table holding a bottle of champagne aiming it at Shane, pretending it was a gun. Shane burst with the security and punched him in the jaw before he was dragged out of the club. He doesn't know who pulled him away, but says it saved him from a good hiding. It would have done, because um, Puff Daddy Puff didn't Daddy. used to travel in small numbers, did he? No. Puff Daddy wasn't, he wasn't like Tupac, he never had that kind of background, but he hung around with a lot of people that did. Yeah, he's not going to put up with that, is he? In June 1999, Stephen Gately revealed he was gay and was in love with the ex-court-in-the-act member, Lloyd Dion. He made the announcement after he discovered that an acquaintance was about to sell the details of his sexuality to the media. He later reflected it hadn't been easy when Boyzone first formed. We had no money and we'd been staying in a hotel in a strange town and I'd sit on the bed and just cry. I was lonely and I missed my family and I was worried because I had all these girl fans who didn't know I was gay. But the others were tremendously supportive. We'd all have a group hug and promise to take care of each other, which we did. Now the person who was going to sell the story of him, that is so often we hear that. It must be someone who's within, it says an acquaintance. Now, that might have been somebody that he'd spent some time with, like from from a romantic perspective, or could have been someone who was a friend or a friend of a friend. But it always seems to be that kind of scenario that forces someone's hands. And I guess in the long run, people responded positively to the news. So it it ended up being good for Stephen. And I guess what was really good as well is that I'm sure the person who was going to sell the story was going to make money out of it, and hopefully, by Stephen coming out and doing it, it removed uh, them so the person, Yeah, oh, that's true. I don't think it didn't think of it like that. I just think it's so sad, you know, people like that should come out at the time where they want to, not because they're forced. Yeah, so, absolutely right. But in this instance, you know, you just you just talked about him staying in a hotel on his own, sitting on the bed and crying. Obviously, he was lonely and missed his family and all that kind of stuff, but also because he had this, this secret. And I imagine that after releasing the news that he was gay, it must have been such a massive weight off his shoulders. He could be who he was without pretense anymore. The following year, the group finished off their Best Of tour back home in the Point Depot with a record-breaking nine sellout shows. 
They had sold more than 20 million records in total, and 16 of their singles reached the UK top five, making them the first Irish act to have four number one hits in the United Kingdom charts. But then the split that Shane Lynch had been denying actually turned out to be true. That split seemed to stem from Roman Keating, who suggested that they should take a breather after years of touring. Walsh later said that they hated the travelling and just wanted to go home and enjoy the money they'd made and relax with their families. In every band, as they get older, they get egotistical and people te- keep telling them that they could have solo careers. In Boyzone, Roman was the obvious choice. They were supposed to be on a break, but things turned bitter. Ronan launched his solo career with Louis Walsh as his manager. He had solo hits with When You Say Nothing At All, Life Is A Roller Coaster, and Tomorrow Never Comes. I had a big fallout with Walsh and he sacked him. The bad feelings started when Walsh said that Ronan could be a new Cliff Richard. A new Cliff Richard? Yeah, and the thing is, is at the time Ronan was, much like when Robbie Williams left Take That, they were trying to gain a credibility that doesn't naturally come from your time in a boy band. Mm. Being compared to Cliff Richard was not exactly the the career direction Ronan was looking to take. However, when Walsh later compared him to the popular but unfashionable Daniel O'Donnell in 2004, Ronan was fuming and he did sack him. The only thing I'd say is like things like Life is a Roller Coaster and When You Say Nothing at All, they could easily have been for his own songs. Ronan isn't carving his own solo career really, he's just doing things similar than, than he was doing in Warzone. But I guess Ronan's thinking... Actually, I'm doing most of the singing for Boyzone, and we're splitting the money five ways. Other than the, the songwriting parts that he would have done, but like he's splitting the money five ways. Whereas actually, I'm the one doing most of the heavy lifting. Therefore, you know, why yeah. don't I just go out yeah, and earn true. the money myself and do that? And that must have been a part of it. While Ronan was riding high, the four remaining members of the band began to wonder how long their lives would be on hold until Ronan came back to Boyzone. It did trigger some resentment, and the pressure grew in 2003 when Ronan publicly voiced that he could not see himself getting back with the band. Ronan later said that everyone knew I was going to go solo, but after I did, we no longer spoke to each other. Which is sad, because you think of all those years, and here's my romantic side coming in, but all of the time of being together, and it's sad that it's like that. But how often have we spoke about it when groups that have been together, or been particularly manufactured and put Mm. together... They spend so much time in each other's pockets. Now, you've got to go back to when they were all travelling around in the back of the transit van. So hotels, and if you think about what Louis Walsh said, they wanted to go back and enjoy their money and spend some time. I think the other four in the group wanted to have a small break and then get back to it, Mm. while Roland's idea of a break was for him to go off. No. And then and then him saying he doesn't want to get back. If they'd all gone back to Ireland, all gone back to the homes, enjoyed the money and actually all had a break, then there probably wouldn't have been that resentment, would it? It's the fact that he went off, did his the thing. If they're waiting in limbo, not sure, oh, what do we do, what do we do? We're just waiting for him to come back and then thinking, well, actually, who is he to start running things and dictating when we're going to get back together? And then when he's going to say, oh, well, actually, I can't see myself being that's going to hurt because they're waiting in the wings to get back together but why are they waiting is it because Ronan was more successful musically than any of the rest of them were after the bands maybe that played a part in it as well and in Ronan's mind he might have been thinking well you would if you could yes, so it wasn't just Ronan who uh, went on to have a solo career after the breakup Stephen Gately had three hit singles but he admits to feeling lost when the phone stopped ringing with offers of work and he spiralled into depression 
He was dropped by his record label, but he was later cast in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamco in London's West End. So it was a bit of a, a career change for yeah, him and, to get that he success. Loved it. He was, he'd always oh, been absolutely. into musicals. He'd loved all of that. Keith Duffy, who never had much confidence in his singing, began acting and played barman Kieran McCarthy in Coronation Street for three years. Do you remember that? He was good. He was good. Was he? Yeah. I must have still been watching it then. Yeah, he was good. Mikey Graham had a hit single and set up his own recording studio as a producer and songwriter. He also became an actor, but suffered a mental and emotional breakdown. Shane Lynch says that when he was originally in the group, he used to start drinking at noon and go on drinking until 7 or 8 at night. After leaving the group, he took part and won the TV show The Games in 2004 and then starred on Celebrity Love Island and became a professional race driver. The acrimony lasted for seven years and other weird details came out. For example... Like his bandmate Shane Lynch, Mikey Graham had worked as a mechanic before finding fame as a singer. Now, Lynch stated in an interview, and this is something that Mikey Graham has later confirmed as well, that during the early days of Boyzone, the two of them had a heated argument over exhaust pipes, and they hardly spoke to each other for 15 years. That's bizarre. <laughs> but you never knew that. No, I never knew that. Never knew that. And they didn't speak pretty much for 15 years. That's quite a grudge to hold over exhaust pipes. I know we always say this when we talk about the boy bands, but with all the people around them, couldn't they just look? I sort it out. Come on. They're strong characters, and yeah. you know, yeah. this is exhaust pipes we're talking about, you know. <laughs> but Ronan went to see a Take That reunion in Dublin, and it changed the way he felt. Rumours began, and then in early 2007, newspapers began reporting that all five members had met with Louis Walsh in Dublin to talk about a comeback tour. Walsh confirmed the rumours in October 2007 on the Graham Milton show. Asked whether there was going to be a relaunch of Boyzone, he replied, I think so. Walsh says he had nothing to do with the range of the meeting that said the idea would come from the boys. It was later confirmed that year that Boyzone would be reuniting for Children in Need, during which they performed a medley of hits. It later transpired that there'd be a new tour in 2008 and fans went wild. 200,000 tickets were sold in less than three hours. And then they didn't sell one to me. You didn't try to buy one? Yeah. Is that... 2008 now, so I've matured a little bit. Are you pregnant? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Louis Walsh and Ronan Keaton have obviously got over their argument. But that's the thing, like, we said earlier that boys would have been living in each other's pockets and spending all that time together. Well, Ronan Keaton and Louis Walsh would have had that, but for even longer, mm. because he went on to be his manager afterwards, and it wasn't just that. Roman started to manage other people, and do you remember? Yeah, yes. Do you remember he started managing? Wrestler? Yeah. Yeah, with Louis Walsh. Yeah. So it was constantly, everything he was doing was with Louis Walsh. <laughs> it couldn't, and Louis, maybe Louis thought, I know what will get rid of him, if I tell everyone he wants to be like Cliff Richard. <laughs> <laughs> On the 3rd of September, the video for new single, Love You Anyway, debuted and featured all five members, with Ronan taking most of the lead vocals. The single reached number five in the UK charts. They released Better, which was the title for their 2009 tour. However, that would be the last tour in which the five members would ever appear together. Stephen Gately died suddenly at his flat in New York on the 10th of October 2009. Post-mortem and toxicology tests took place on the 13th of October and showed that Gately died from a pulmonary edema resulting from an undiagnosed heart condition. The four remaining members flew to New York the following day. On the 16th of October, accompanied by the four surviving members of Boyzone, Stephen's body was brought from Mallorca to Dublin where his funeral took place at the Church of St. Lawrence O'Toole the following day. 
The group released a joint statement. We are completely devastated by the loss of our friend and brother Stephen. We have shared such wonderful times together over the years and we're looking forward to sharing many more. Stephen was a beautiful person in both body and spirit. He lit up our lives and those of the many friends he had all over the world. Our love and sympathy go out to Andrew and Stephen's family. We love you and we'll miss you forever, Steer. So sad. It was do you very sad. It? I do. It was so sad, and it's always sad when someone dies like mm. that. But he was thirty-three years old. That is no age at all. No so cool and yeah, I remember just being so shocked and I remember reading that the day before the funeral they all stayed at the house with him I do think it's nice that they'd managed to have that time together again before yeah. Yeah. he passed away could you imagine whether you know Roman said earlier on that after the group went on their break they didn't really talk to each other and stuff like that could you imagine if it had happened at that point I mean yeah. it was tragic and really sad at least they had those moments to reconnect as yes. older, more mature people. And as a five. So Louis Walsh described Gately as his very, very best friend, saying, of all the people I've worked with, I don't think anybody thanks me as much as Stephen. Now, Gately had started dating Andrew Cowles, who'd been introduced to him by mutual friends Elton John and David Furnish. So Gately and Cowles held a commitment ceremony in a wedding chapel while on holiday in Las Vegas in 2003. And on the 19th of March 2006, Gately entered into a civil partnership with Cowles in a ceremony in London. So another positive, and it's hard when someone's so young when they pass away, but if you are looking for other positives, mm-hmm. after that scumbag tried to out him to the newspapers and he came out himself, at least he did live those years of his life as himself. Yeah, you yeah. Know, without with having, the person he loved, with the person being he able loved. to be with that person. That he Openly. Loved, yeah. I'm glad that he had that moment. He was very happy in the, in the village that they lived in in London. Yeah. He, yeah. he did talk extensively about how lovely the neighbours were mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So it is nice, but a tragic the way that his life ended. The group thought hard about what to do next and ended up making the difficult decision to finish recording the album that they'd started recording with Stephen. So they released Gave It All Away, which featured two new songs that were performed by Gately before his death. It reached number one in the UK and Ireland and it charted in various other countries. And it's a very poignant song if you listen to it and now it's Stephen's voice. So Boyzone released another two albums, Brother and BZ20, before releasing another in 2014, which was called From Dublin to Detroit and was the 12-song album with covers of Motown hits. In 2018, Boyzone signed a contract with Warner Music for an arena tour and an album called Thank You and Goodnight. Ed Sheeran was involved in writing one of the songs, just because, and that is a, a great song, it, I have and to even, yeah, even, Oh, yeah. And even our son has sung it, hasn't he? Absolutely. We've got a video of him. <laughs> from, it, was, it would have only been about seven, six yeah. or seven at the time. Going round the delivery room doing mm. the dance just because. Yeah, and that was the tour that I went to February 2019. <laughs> and even though on the age of it, my friends and I got the t shirts done, do you remember? I do remember. It was four of us, thank you and good night, with a little boy so, so 2019. Yeah. So not but again, a privilege to have gone there because, as I say, when we had our first daughter then, I wasn't really, I dipped away. Some of those later songs that you've mentioned, I couldn't tell you what they were. 
Whereas, obviously, I remember them forming in the beginning bit. So then for me, that Thank You and Good Night and the album I've listened to, it was a nice tribute. And they did a lovely tribute to Stephen Gately. Did they? They um, had that song and they had his voice doing his bits. And then the four of them were in the centre part, oh. singing the rest of it. And they all got that. It was, yeah, it did, was really nice. Did they sing any of their sort of original songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, did that to, well. yeah, because it was a whole thing of Thank You and Good Night. So they did mm. the original one, So Good, Love for a reason the father and son they did all of those coming home now and then did, they did some of the later ones. did they do a repeat of their late late show episode no, where no, they all put on a track and just no, like they were that. all looking really good they knew how to dance like, like an octopus going <laughs> yeah. around there with all the limbs flying everywhere whatever happened to Mark Walton and Richie Rock so these were the two guys that at the very start of Boyzone, they were part of the group, they were part of the six that were on the Late Late Show that day. And if you remember, Mark Walton didn't want to leave his education mm. and Richie Rock got sacked for the group for falling asleep before yeah. they had a gig. Yeah. So Mark Walton did go on to make a career out of music. So he's managed the likes of Blue, Fifth Avenue, and was involved with Bewitched, who, of course, mm. had two of Shane Lynch's sisters in it. Um, he was involved with Enrique Iglesias, Shaggy, and Jennifer Lopez. Wow. Do you think he finished his education first? Sounds like he must have done. He's done it right for himself. Now, in 2018, he was in the headlines for other reasons after his ex-partner, Sabrina Coida, was found guilty of murder. Sabrina and her partner murdered French nanny Sophie Leonet over a false belief that she was having an affair with Mark Walton. Mark gave evidence at the Old Bailey during the trial, stating that he was left emotionally broken after his split from his girlfriend. He also told the court that he'd never heard of the nanny until she was killed. And I remember this distinctly because, as you would expect, all the newspapers were boys own member involved in murder. You know, that kind of tone. Now, the two people responsible, his ex-girlfriend Sabrina and her partner, were jailed for life in 2018 and ordered to serve at least 30 years behind bars after being convicted of the murder. Mark Walton claims that he's gone on to become a billionaire. So it sounds like he's done all right for himself. He does, but Richie Rock didn't have the same luck, did he, as he struggled to make ends meet as a DJ after leaving the group, and he began abusing drugs to cope with his bitterness. He said, the boy's own success drove me insane. I ripped the posters I had on my wall and threw out the scrapbook of photos I had with the band. If they came on the telly while I was watching with mum and dad, I'd go mad and make them turn it off. Then I'd run upstairs and switch it back on again and watch it in silence with the volume turned down. That's when I started taking drugs to block out the pain. At first it was ecstasy and loads of alcohol. I then got into heroin and was doing up to £200 a day. After several rehab attempts, he got clean in 2006 and works as a videographer and photographer in Goa in India, where he lives with his wife, Sadiq Shavan. That must have hit him hard, bearing in mind his dad was an Irish singer. He must have felt maybe if you remember, let his dad down. If you remember back to the early auditions, Richie Rock was the one who impressed Louis Walsh possibly most, because while he was bringing others in because they could dance, Richie Rock sang Elton John's Your Song and yeah. played the piano. He's yeah. the only one that was playing an instrument as he, as he did his audition. So they would have had high hopes for him, but I do have some sympathy for what Louis Walsh said now. When you look back at some of the quotes, at times it can feel a little cold, but one bad apple can spoil the lot. Now, maybe if they did have Richie Rock in there and he did have some of those tendencies early on, this is not an Oasis-type band. And maybe Louis Walsh saw the potential of something like that happening with with Richie Rock. Boys that were clean-cut. Now, we know, you know, Shane Lynch ended up punching Puff Daddy in the jaw, right? But... They were a clean-cut band, you know, mm. in, in the typical boy band mould of the time. Mm. 
So I can kind of understand why he felt it was it was that way. But what I think is quite sad is how one of them that left almost used it as a motivation to go on and be successful in his own life. And the other one became, in his own words, this is not me no. paraphrasing for it, he admitted he, he was filled with bitterness. Thank goodness he's been able to turn it around so he's been yes. clear and clean for six, seven years yes. now. Yeah, he has. And he's married and he's in Goa in India with his, his, his wife. So thankfully he's, he's managed to turn around the bad situation he was in. Yeah. As for the others, Roman solo material has sold over 20 million records worldwide and he's released 10 albums. So Roman has released more albums on his own than Boys I Know. Yeah. I never knew that. He has served as a judge on the Australian versions of The X Factor and The Voice. Ronan married Yvonne Connolly in April 1998 and the couple had three children, Jack, Marie and Ali. They separated in 2010. He met his current wife, Storm, in August 2010 and the couple married five years later. Their son, Cooper Keating, was born on the 26th of April 2017. And since uh, September of that same year, 2017, he's presented The Breakfast Show on Magic Radio with Harriet Scott. Yeah, and funny enough, I quite I tune in sometimes, some mornings, to Magic Radio. <laughs> I bet you do. Um, they've also had a little girl as well. Well, with Harriet Scott. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then along with the reality TV show we talked about earlier, Shane's a judge on the All Island Talent Show, um, a sort of Irish version of Britain's Got Talent. We okay. don't know about it. The All Island Talent Show. Yeah, but like on one of the channels. He is currently married to second wife Sheena White, and the pair have two daughters, Billy Ray and Marley May. He got back to his early interest in motor racing and competed in the British FG Championships, British Drift Championships, and European Drift Championships. He also opened a bar in Cheshire. So he's quite an active yeah. I do remember, and I don't think it went anywhere, which is why I probably never made it into our, our story, but. He did have visions after Boyzone of starting up a rap band. I think he was calling it Red Hill. Mm. I can't remember who was in it with him. Didn't him and Keith end up releasing the song as well? Yeah, they did. What was I was that? thinking you might delay over there. Was it bad? I guess it's difficult when you've had that portion of your life mapped out. And Keith himself admits he never had the, the greatest voice. He, he no, was he very say open that, yeah. about that. Yeah. But suddenly, you're known as a pop star, but you're not the best singer in the world. You've got to find something else to do. And he, we talked earlier about the fact that he moved into Coronation Street and he also appeared as John the Security Guard in, in Mrs. Brown's Boys the Movie. Keith married his wife Lisa in Vegas in 98. And who was his best man? Roman. Roman Keating was his best man. Keith and Lisa have two children together, Jordan and Mia. He also spends quite a bit of time touring with Westlife's Brian McFadden. Does he not? That's Boys Life, does he? That's an interesting turn of events. So you went to see Boys Life. I did. And again, they were good. Again, it was part of the nostalgia. And I have to say, they are so good at taking the piss out of themselves. They are just two Irish blokes having a bit of fun. And they actually love the touring. And then what they've done is they put together the West Life songs and the Boys Own songs. Now, there's a few boys' own songs that Brian McFadden actually sings quite well, so, like, he did them. And then, obviously, yeah, Keith would say, oh, yeah, I can't sing this, but or whatever. But, yeah, I, I liked it. And I got to meet them as well. You did? I think you got back, yeah. You remember the woman you were telling Oh, my God! <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the funniest thing happened. So, the theatre that we went to, it's like a complex, it's a whole, like, there's a gym complex added to it. So quite a few people were leaving the auditorium to like fill up their drinks. But they were doing this when Brian McFadden and Keith Duffy had come on stage. The thing had started. 
Anyway, oh my gosh, there was this one woman, I think, for the first song. She stood up and fell down. She was so drunk. She fell down after the first song and had to be, like, lifted out and carried out during the first song. They stopped the song and Brian McFadden said, is she all right? She said a bit too many, yeah, and she's, like, rolled out. After she's the first song, out. though? After the first song. It wasn't even, it wasn't even a cut. late show. It no, was, no. Wasn't it, like, started at, like, no. seven on a Friday evening? Oh my gosh, that was so funny. We remember we were just in stitches. But I love it's a bit like oh, after checking that she was Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was check, yeah. <laughs> but the first song they'd literally come in and I think they opened with a Westlife song. Is she alright? Is that love alright? And then I had to be carried <laughs> off. And then her friend was like, Yeah, she she fell off a chair. She sat down, she was sat on the end and she fell off it. <laughs> Yeah, that was funny. So Mikey Graham has largely stayed out of the limelight. He appeared on the Irish Celebrity Apprentice in 2013, and in 2010 he got to the finals of the Irish Eurovision Song Contest Act Show and made an appearance on Dancing on Ice. Mikey has two daughters, Hannah from an early relationship, and Sienna Nicole with his current wife, Karen Karadi, who married in 2004. Before his tragic passing, Stephen released solo material. He appeared on Absolutely Fabulous and on Dancing on Ice, as well as taking on the lead role in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. He also wrote a children's book called The Tree of Season, and that was published posthumously in 2010. No, I wasn't aware of that, but it was another way that his legacy could continue. It's been an emotional roller coaster exploring the highs and lows of Boys End's career, from their early struggles to their chart topping successes and the heartbreak of losing one of their own. But through it all, Boys End remained a shining example of Irish spirit, and that is the story of Boys End. How do you I feel? I think that's right, shining example of the Irish spirit. I do like that, but I'm biased because I was a fan. I got hooked in, hook, line, and sinker. Have you enjoyed going through all of the, the, the songs? And yeah, the, the, the I have. And, and you know what I'm going to do? And there might be some other fellow Boys and fans. Please get in contact. So I know I'm not the only one. But fellow when, ones, when you say please, please get in contact, why are you kind of dangling your fingers? Like it's like an email. <laughs> email is it. Do you know what I'm going to do? Is I'm going to go and have a look back at the gap. You know, like when I was pregnant with her first oh, child. Yeah. That when I wasn't sort of following them as much as I had done. Just... Catch yeah, up on those catch up. So how did you end up listening to the? Because it was you that started playing this song that Ed Sheeran wrote with them, just because. Since Stephen's death, when oh, Stephen okay. Gately died, because I because I think as well I was affected by that because obviously I knew of him when I was the first fan, the first time round in the nineties. So was it part of that album? So I don't know. You know when they formed just before Stephen Gately died. That's the bit I don't know when they fought, reformed again. So right. they split up, and I knew Ronan went off to do his own because obviously I loved. When you say nothing at all from mm. Notting Hill, that was a good song. It's a good song, and life is a roller coaster. See, you do sound like him. Yeah, so that got me back into it. So, boys Zone to me always seemed like a a good group of lads. Now, obviously, I've got a lot of family from Ireland. They live in Ireland. My whole family is pretty much originally from Ireland. I've got loads and loads of cousins, probably around the same sort of age as the boys in Boys Zone would have and that's what they were like. Much like the way you described Keith Duffy and Brian McFadden yeah. and stuff. That's kind of like how my cousins are. They, 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 they have a good time, they work, they do their thing, and they like to have a heavy drink afterwards and enjoy themselves and that kind of thing. And boys had always come across to me to be, despite the fact that they were manufactured, they were quite real to an extent as well. 
you know, when they were talking amongst each other, I just heard that North Dublin accent, which is so familiar, you know. I think they all came across as nice guys. I, I genuinely do. It's not one of them that I look back and I think, oh, I never really liked him. They never no, really liked him. No. They, they all came across as decent fellas. You had Shane, who was the more edgy. Now, every boy band, come to think of it, seems to have that one. The, the first one to get all the tattoos and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Well, Shane was that guy. I liked him. Mikey was quiet and in the background quite a lot, but okay, no problem. Keith always came across to me as a top man. Yeah. I think he was in the first ever Celebrity Big Brother and that... He would, yes. But yeah. that wasn't a proper one. It was like a shortened version. It was like a week or 10 days, the whole thing, and they were nominating someone off literally every night. I will always remember that one because Chris Eubank, who I thought was going to be gold, got voted off the first person. And I just thought, that is crazy. You've ruined the show. But he came across really, really well. And I remember one time on it, he was actually singing. And afterwards, he was like, well, there goes any hope of me getting anything out of here. So he just always came across as such a good, honest bloke. And one of his children uh, is autistic, and he does an awful lot of work in relation to autism, yes. raising money and awareness and that, that kind of thing on television and yeah. everything. Yeah. But he's always come across as a really good bloke. I think Stephen Gailey. He was always a pleasant guy, a quiet guy, a polite guy that, you know, I'm, I don't know, I haven't no, met, but no. I always came across like that. I am really, really pleased he got that last phase of his, his life yeah. where he was able to be himself and be free and enjoy love, yes. right? Yeah. Roland always seemed to be all right. I think there were times where his yeah. ego may have just yeah. just come to the fore a bit, but I don't blame him for that, if I'm being completely honest. I think... You think back to some of the times in our life. You're not you because you're not that kind of way inclined. But sometimes I get carried away with with a bit of success, right? Well, he had way more success, and he got a bit carried away with it for a period of time. That period of time ended. He saw take that performing in Dublin, yeah. And he looked at it and he thought we could do that. And remember, he's minted. Roman Keane doesn't need it. He does not need to do this for the money, but he wanted to get back with the boys. And I think that that was nice. I think that's a nice thing. Do you want me to teach you the soap good dance We could do it in the front garden. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I wouldn't even let you teach the kids it. I can't believe you did that. I don't know, but do you know what? I am so pleased that you don't. You know, sometimes I say to you, I wish that you could record your whole life so you could go back. I'm so pleased that you. No, I know. It's so that, pleased that even that it's not on video. It won't be on the phones. Could you imagine if that had happened today? Oh, you'd be the viral. Neighbors, the neighbours. You'd be viral. <laughs> you'd be a viral star. You wouldn't be able to leave the house without people starting to shout, so good, Beth. It wasn't just me. It was all You were probably the ringleader. <laughs> it's been great. Really hope you guys have enjoyed listening to us today. Thank you very much for joining the podcast. If you have any boys and friends that you think would enjoy the episode, please do make them aware of it. But until next week, talk to the hands. hands.